So tonight, what uh, we are going to be discussing was based on a, a conversation that uh, we had in the call yesterday. Um, I'll, I'll share with you the, the incident which took place, uh, but not the actual halacha related to that incident, just what that, uh, w- the direction that led us to, which is a simpler shaila than the one that, uh, that we're not going to discuss. But the question was as follows. Um, this is not at, uh, at my chasna. This is somebody else who was reporting this, but uh, Ruvain's at a chasna. It's a chasna with a, uh, a fancy shmorg. So you've got different stations where they're carving meat and chicken and turkey and all sorts of uh, different uh, different things, all the wonderful uh, things. And then at some point, Ruvain is standing by one of those uh, stand-up tables, and uh, his I don't know his wife calls him out. So he says to his friend Shimon, he said, Shimon, watch my food for a minute. I'm just going to run out. I'll be right back. And Shimon says, yeah, no problem. And then Shimon gets distracted. And while Shimon gets distracted, a waiter comes along and sees a plate that nobody's standing next to, goes ahead and hops up the plate. Ruven comes back and he says, Shimon, where's my food? So Shimon says, I'm so sorry. I got distracted by something else. And the waiter must have come along and uh, take away, taken away your food. Ruven looks over and let's just say for, for dramatic sake, the carving stations are now closed. So you cannot get replacement food. So Shimon says to Ruven, Ruven, I put you, I made you a shomer. I made you a custodian over my food. I don't get uh, you know, uh, brisket that often. I don't get carved salami that often or carved pastrami that often. And that was worth a lot of money, the food on that plate. And by your negligence, I went ahead and now I don't have that food. It was worth at least $25 or $50 to go ahead and buy all of that, if you were to buy all that food. And I want you to go ahead and reimburse me. So the question was, does Shimon have a claim against Ruvain for the food which was hopped away by the, uh, by the waiter? Okay, so that was the, uh, the question. Now, there's a lot of different things, maybe depending on the timing of things, uh, how it unfolds tonight. So we'll see how exactly uh, you know, we'll, we'll do it. But we're going to start out with some of the basic uh, marmakoma, some of the basic sources related to this idea of what happens when you are by somebody else and you, as the guest, your relationship with their food. That's really what we're going to try and figure out. And some of this, I don't expect anybody to remember, but uh, some of the sources related to this, it's always exciting when you open up a safer of yours, and you see that you've already made footnotes over there telling you to look in different places. And you have no idea where exactly that came from. And you know it's your handwriting, but you have no idea when you did it, how you did it, what, at what point in history it, it, it happened. But I had that experience uh, today. I pulled up in a, a, a particular volume of Shulchan Aruch, opened it up to where we need to go, and lo and behold, there's notes over there. And I opened up that safer, and there's more notes. It was an exciting walk down memory lane, even though I have no memory of the, uh, of the lane. But where this comes up is, believe it or not, the, the Shabbos, it was a Shabbos Haggadol Drasha uh, many, many years ago. And the reason why it's a Shabbos Haggadol Drasha is because it relates to somebody who has guests at their home for the Pesach Seder, and whether or not the host has to convey ownership of the matzahs to the guest in order for the guest to be yotze. Do you have to own the matzahs in order to be yotze or not? And if you do have to own the matzahs, so what exactly happens as a guest, as an adult child who's eating by their, their parents, how exactly is that handled? So that was the topic of the Shabbos Haggadol Drasha. But we're going to go ahead and take a step back from there, even, 
And we're going to go ahead and we're going to explore just the basic idea of, and we had this in Dafyomi the other day also, this week it happens to be, that's why also I, why it was exciting, but it is the uh, uh, something, it's just a basic question when you are a guest at somebody else's host, home, or somebody is a guest at your home, and you put food on the table, uh, and somebody takes food from the serving platter and they put it onto their plate, do they now halakhically own that food? Who is the owner of the food? That's going to be the other question. And you'll say, where is this no gay? Why would this ever come up as a shyly? Either way, the, get, the host is obviously allowing the guests to be able to eat that food. Nobody's going to, as you're about to take another uh, potato kugel, the host isn't going to yell at you and say, hey, hey, that's gazela. I didn't give you permission to go ahead and make that piece of potato kugel. I was planning on eating that myself. Keep your hands off of the potato kugel. So nobody's going to go ahead and do that. So where exactly does it come up? So it comes up in a much more common case. And we're going to begin, obviously, with source one. And the main thrust of what we're going to focus on is going to be the Ramah at the end. But we're just going to get ourselves going from the beginning. Okay. So this is Evan Ezer, Simon Chavches, Sif Yud Zayin. Says as follows. Hanichnas lebeis chaver, v'lokach lo kli o ochal kiyotzebem, v'kidish bo'isha. So let's say what we're talking about over here is, let's say there's an Oneg Shabbos by the Applesons. So Friday night, everybody gathers together by the, the Applesons. Actually, let's not make it a, 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 an Oneg Shabbos because we don't want to do it on Shabbos. We're going to do, do a Malava Malka. So there's a Malava Malka at the Applesons. And at the Malava Malka at the Applesons, I go ahead and I take a copy of one of Bob's farm and I pick it up. I don't ask permission. I just pick it up and I give it to a young lady who's in attendance at the Malava Malka. And I say to her, Hare So I took Bob's book without permission and I give it to her. Now, obviously, the Sefer is worth a lot more than a Shavapruta, so it would work in terms of Kedushin. But the problem is, is that Bob never gave me ownership of that book. So if I take Bob's thing or I take Bob's food and I give it to a, to a, a young lady and I say, Hare Mukudashasli, and then Bob overhears the fact that I took his safer. I gave it to a woman. I said, And he says, He says to me, Why did you go ahead and be Makadish's girl with generic Coke when you could have gone ahead and given her a glass of name brand Coke, which is much more expensive, which is much better? So even though he seemingly is agreeing that to the Kedushin, because he didn't say, how dare you go ahead and do that? He said, why didn't you give her the better stuff? Why are you giving her that cheap wine? You could have gone ahead that, that has a cap on it. You could have given her wine that actually comes with a cork. So, so the Kedushin is invalid. Why is the Kedushin invalid? If Bob is saying, why didn't you give her the fancy wine? Why are you giving that heavy Concord Malaga, you know, you know, is dense as, uh, you know, the densest uh, thing that exists on earth. So why did you go ahead and give her that, uh, that ichi wine? The reason why Bob said that is only because he didn't want to embarrass me. So he said that, why didn't you give her the more expensive stuff? Only not to embarrass him. But it's an invalid kedushin. Being that I went ahead, I was makadish the woman with, with, uh, with Bob's safer, without getting his permission to use the safer, without him conveying ownership of that safer to me, 
So it's a stolen book, and you cannot be Makadish, a woman with stolen property. Now, um, okay, let's skip the rest of the Shulchan Aruch. And now comes along the Ramah, and he says, and this is really the, uh, the, the source that we're going to begin to analyze, so after that terrible experience where I stole one of Bob's book, Svarim, uh, and then I was trying to be Makadish, a woman. So I apologize. He apologized. We make amends. And then he says to me, you know what? I'd like you to come over on Monday night and we'll have a special dinner. And uh, we'll, uh, you could come and you could, uh, you could join me at dinner. And that will be a way of making things okay. So I say, wonderful. So I'm sitting at Bob's table now having this, uh, this dinner. And another young woman walks into the room. The notel chelko, and I take a piece of kogel which is on my plate. So the apple sins, let's assume that everything is plated and, and served to you. So I take a piece of kogel which is on my plate, the kidesh bow, and then I say to that young lady next to me, as romantic as I possibly can, Hareat mukudeshesli but potato kugel zoo, kedas moshe Yisrael. Say that 10 times fast. So havi mukudeshes. So that kedushin is going to be valid. So this is a very, very interesting thing, because it doesn't say anywhere in this sif that you gave me formally ownership of the potato kugel, you just served it to me. You were serving dinner, there's a piece of potato kugel on my plate, we never made a formal kenyan, I may not have even touched that potato kugel as of yet, it's not as if I gave her a partially eaten piece of potato kugel, that would be, you know, that would obviously take away from the romance of it, but I gave her a full piece of potato kugel over here, so seemingly... Uh, it's uh, something which is ra'oi. It's a uh, fit to be makadish a woman with. You can't get much better than potato kugel. And, but even though Bob didn't give me ownership of it, the kedushin is still valid. So that's halacha number one. So this halacha, simple reading of this ramah in Evan Ezer would indicate that when a guest is served food, uh, inherent in that is the transfer of ownership to the guest of that food. So once the potato kugel is on my plate, the plate which is in front of me, I am now the proud owner of that potato kugel. And therefore, when I give it to that young woman and I say, potato kugel it is a valid kedushin. That's the uh, that's Shulchan Aruch's opinion. Give out. Now, the problem we're going to run into not we, the, tr- the problem that the poskim have with this particular halacha is that it's seemingly contradicted by another halacha in Shulchan Aruch, which, as we'll see, is based on an explicit Gemara. So what does it say in Orachayim? This is in Simon Kuf Ayin, Sif Yud Tes. So here it says, Orachim HaNichnasim Eitzel So the exact same scenario. Bob invites me over for a meal by him, and I am there with food. So I as the guest, or we as the guests, and not that we're all inviting ourselves over, Bob, but we as the guests. So none of the guests have the right to take some of the food which is in front of them and give it to the host's son or the host's evid, the host's slave back in the day when slavery was okay. So as a guest, I'm not allowed to take that food and give it to Bob's child. Unless I get permission from Bob ahead of time. But if I don't go ahead and secure permission from Bob to give some of the food in front of me to his child, I'm not allowed to do so. It's a regular Zoom. So in this halacha, 
when we talk about the fact that I'm not allowed to take some of the food that I that was served to me at Bob's house and give it to Bob's child, that would seem to indicate that I'm not the owner of the food. Because if I was the owner of the food, I could do with it as I please. And if I wanted to give it, if I want to give it to Bob's child, I should be able to do so. So now we have this contradiction. This contradiction, as far as who is the owner of the food which is uh, which is served to a guest, does the owner retain ownership of it? The uh, the the host. Let me say it that way. Does the host retain ownership of it? And that's why it would. Uh, that's why it could be Makadish a woman. Uh, sorry, that's why you, the guest isn't allowed to give it away to his child. Or do we say that it belongs to the guest? And since it belongs to the guest, he can be Makadish a woman with it because it's now his thing. Okay, now what is the story over here? What's the basis for this second halacha? The fact that a guest, I as a guest, cannot take some of the food that I was served at Bob's house and share it with one of Bob's kids. So explains the Mishabura. This is in Simon Kuf I and Sif Katan Mem. So he says, "Who takanus chachamim?" So this this uh, uh, this restriction against giving some of the host's food to the host's child is an enactment of Chazal. Mipnei Maisa Shahaya, based on an incident which occurred. Kedisa b'chulin tzaridal, like the Gemara Chulin relates. Maisa b'adam echad. And it's always an interesting thing when Chazal tell us the story which led to one of their enactments. It's usually this incredibly far-fetched story, something which happens once in a million years. And yet Chazal decided that because of this incident, we're going to go ahead and we're going to formalize and make an enactment and put restrictions in place. So knowing that, maybe you get a load of the far-fetched nature of what seemingly is the far-fetched nature of this case. So it's an incident of a person. So is a, a year of famine, and a host went ahead and invited a couple of guests to enjoy whatever meager food was there. And, and all he could serve his guests, the most he could come up with was, he got three eggs from the chickens, and he went ahead and he made three hard-boiled eggs. One for the host, guest one, and guest two. Then what happens? Uh, so now the, the host's son comes along and he's looking like a starving child, like he hasn't eaten in a week because he hasn't. And when he says, I'm starving, he actually is starving. So so one of the guests came along. So one of the guests go ahead and said, you know what? I ate oh, just Wednesday. I don't need to eat today. This child probably hasn't eaten in a week and he's, how's he going to concentrate in school? So he gives the host's child his hard-boiled egg. So right now the child is holding one hard-boiled egg. The, the second guest did the same thing. And then the third guest also gave his egg to the child. So the host's son is now juggling all three hard-boiled eggs. That's going to be, so none of the guests have anything and the child has all three. What happens? Dad comes in and sees his son with all three eggs, and the guests have nothing. And the child was, as you would expect a child to do, he shoves one egg in his mouth, and then he's got in both of his other hands, he's got the other eggs, and he's ready to shove those in his mouth also, as soon as he swallows the egg, which is already there. And dad assumes that the child went ahead and hopped this from the guests, that he stole it from the guests or something like that. So back in the day, when this was acceptable uh, parenting, 
So dad came in and went ahead and gave him a smack upside his head, but a little harder than he anticipated. And umes, the child died. That was the story. And Vikavan Sharasa Imo. Now the story's not over. Now the mother, she sees that her son was holding these two eggs in his hand, one egg in his mouth, and he had been starving because he hadn't had anything uh, substantial to eat in, in a week. And now she sees Rachman her child was whacked upside of the head, and now he's dead on the floor. So what does she do? Also, Lagad Venaflu Mesa. She goes on the roof, she falls off, and she dies. And story's not over yet. Afu and then the father, husband, seeing what he had done and what he had brought about, he went up on the roof and he jumped off and he died. So now all of them are dead. And now imagine being the guest over there. That's what you call awkward. <laughs> so now you have this incident which, which takes place. <laughs> and because of this, this crazy story which happened, so therefore Chazal said, you know what? From now on, if you're a guest in somebody else's house, don't give his children any treats. Don't take something off of your plate and give it to the kids because we're too scared. Another story like this is going to happen. Dad will come in, whack him upside the head. Child will die. The mother will die. The father will die. We're just going to cut all of this off and say, you know what? You're not allowed to give the, the host child anything off of your plate because we're too scared. Now, the kasu, and this is going to be significant. So that's the Gemara and Chulin. That's the, uh, the incident over there, which was the b- background for this story. The Kasuah Magad of Rabbah El Yerabah. So the Magad of Rabbah and the El Yerabah say, that when does this restriction apply? Only when you have the details of this incident that's recorded in the Gemara, which is, the main feature is, where there was a limited amount of food, three eggs for the three guests to be able to share. And the Balabayas felt humiliated when all the food was given to his son, and that meant that he didn't have, he wasn't able to provide for his guests. So he's humiliated that he had guests over and he couldn't provide for them. But let's say you're at, let's say, a smorg or something like that. You're at a place where there's just an unbelievable display of food. You go to one of those parlor meetings, those Sadaka parlor meetings. So they've got tens of thousands of dollars of food out there. And there's going to be enough leftovers to feed the uh, Tanzanian army a few times. Where nobody's going to be missing any of the food if you share it with one of the kids. Then, Rashaim Litein Lehem then it's perfectly acceptable for the guests to go ahead and share it with the child. And, um, and therefore he says, which is also going to be significant, that based on this, that if you can assess that, it, that nobody's going to be missing any food, that it's okay. Let's say everybody is already finished and they already say, you know what? I'm full. I can't eat another bite. And there's still leftovers on the table. But Ishtayer, there's leftovers on the table after everybody ate. Also, then you could give the host children whatever is going to be left over because that's not going to take away from the guests. And the host isn't going to be embarrassed that he doesn't have enough to provide for them. Okay, that's the background to the, uh, to the story. But now what we have to do is we have to try and figure out what exactly is Shulchan Aruch can't really contradict himself. Right, two different postkin, they could have different opinions about a halacha, 
One will say that you that the guest does own the food. Another one could say the guest doesn't own, uh, own the food. So if it was coming from two different sources, so then we could say, okay, it's a machlokis. It's not the first machlokis in, in, in history of Klai Yisrael. It's not the last machlokis. And that would be perfectly acceptable. But where both of these sources are from the same author, they're both from Shulchan Arach, so that means we have to somehow resolve this. Because we can't have Shulchan Arach contradicting himself. He has to have some sort of unified perspective about the relationship that you as a guest have with the food which is being served to you. Okay. <coughs> so now, we'll go in no you know, particular order, but we have, the uh, the Taz says as follows, so the Taz appears on the page in Shulchan Aruch there, so he says, uh, this is an Evan Ezer, which, which implies that it belongs to the guest, and that's why the guest could say, potato So Taz says, I'm shocked that Shochan Aruch is adopting this position and says that a guest could be Makadish, a woman, with the potato kugel, which is on his plate. And he goes that in quotes, the Gemara in uh, in Chulin, which we don't have to repeat over, which says that as a guest, you're not allowed to give the food to the host's child. And this, in fact, is Paskin and Shulchan Aruch. So therefore, says the Taz, So if as a guest, you can't even give to the host's child the food off of your plate, because that's going to be a violation of this rabbinic enactment, then certainly you shouldn't be taking something as a guest off of your plate and saying to the woman next to you, that's what happens when you don't have separate seating. So, next thing you know, we're doing all of these kedushins that the thing, forget about mixed dancing. But here we have kedushin, which is actually taking place over there. So that's something which would be, uh, that, that would be bad. So how could that, how could that be? V'amai yuchal so ask the Taz, why would you be allowed to go ahead and do Kedushin with your host's food? It doesn't make any sense based on the fact that as a guest, you're not allowed to give away the, uh, the, the host's food. And therefore, says the Taz, When Shochanar, when the Ramah said, that it's a Kedushin, he doesn't mean that you are definitively married. It means that there's a, enough concern that maybe there's a marriage there that if you want to end the relationship, you need to get. So it's a suffix kedushin. They're not married that they could move forward with their marriage, but they're married enough that we wouldn't let them just end the relationship uh, when the evening is over. Ella suffix, but rather it's a suffix. It's a possible marriage which may have taken place, which is the worst of all because now you're stuck uh, in both directions. Nearly bar, and the Taz says to me, this appears to be very clear that this is how we're going to have to resolve what would seem to be this uh, this inconsistency. So that is the way the Taz would like to uh, to reconcile this. So it, it, it not even reconcile. He says that really the halach is like we say in in Arachayim, that as a guest you do not own the food. And in Eben Ezra, when the Ramah says that it's a, that the, there's Kedushin, all we really mean is that you created a circumstance where there may have been Kedushin, and it's enough of a suffix that we're going to require a, a get before she goes in and accepts some squash kogel from somebody else as Kedushin. The host squash kogel as, as Kedushin. Now, the Chachma Shlomo, so the, another uh, one of the, uh, the, the commentators, 
on the page of Shochan Arach. So we have the Marshal of Shlomo Luria. So the Marshal, so he says as follows. Um, Uh, he says, without, yeah. so he says, Sham Kasavnu, referring to another place where he wrote uh, some halachas, so he says that the marshal says that the distinction, the, the correct distinction between these two halachas is as follows. Let's say the guest already ate, so everything was plated, and the guest ate 75% of the food which is on his plate, and now he's full. He was warned by his mother, don't eat too many chocolate chip cookies before dinner. He ignored her uh, her warning, and he went ahead and ate too many cookies. And now he can only eat 75% of the food on his plate. So there's some leftovers. Then, if the guest has leftovers on his own plate, So that extra goes back to the host. If you're not going to eat it, that's my food. I give you permission to eat it. But if you're not going to eat it, that goes back to being my food, or in our case, Bob's food. Because it's assumed, that's what the umdana means, the assumption is, is, I'm giving you this food to enjoy, but in the event you decide you don't want to enjoy it, you don't want to eat it, you don't like squash kugel, or there's mushrooms in there, or there's a piece of fish in there, or there's tomatoes in there, whatever the stuff, all those things which I don't eat. So any of that stuff which is there, so you didn't give it to me for me to throw away or for me to feed to the dog. If I'm not going to eat it, you'll take it back, and you'll go ahead and you'll feed it to the kids leftover Mondays. Why would they, you not go ahead and use those uh, leftovers for that? Aval. But let's say I was starving. I actually listened to mom and I didn't have the chocolate chip cookies before dinner and I was absolutely starving. But I decided, you know what? I'm not going to eat everything, even though I have the ability to do so. I have the space in my stomach to do so, but I'm not going to eat everything and I'm only going to eat 80% and I'm going to save the rest because you never know when you may be uh, hungry when you're, if you're flying to Vegas or something. So you never know whether there'll be snacks on the plane that you can actually eat or not. So therefore I'm going to save some. And I could have eaten more, and I didn't eat it. So if I'm still hungry and I decide not to eat the food, I want to save it for later, that I have the right to do. So then since it's something which I would have eaten, I just decided not to because uh, I want to save it for later, that still belongs to me. So if I actually cannot eat anymore, those leftovers belong to the host. Those leftovers go back to Bob. If I really am hungry and could eat more, and I decide to not eat more, I just want to save it for later, for tomorrow, so then, that I'm allowed to keep that for myself. And then, once I'm allowed to keep it for myself, so I could go ahead and I could give it to another person as well. And this is something, it's, I was excited when I saw the Chachma Shlomo references, because this goes back to an earlier shir we had months ago, where we talked about if a married woman takes some of the food, which, uh, you know, the the allotment of food, which is assigned to her, which would be an average amount that she would eat over the course of the week, and she decided not to eat all of it, she decided to save it and sell it and, and, and save up some money. So he said over there elsewhere in Ebenezer that she's allowed to go ahead and do so. And therefore, that's the distinction which the Chachma Shlomo is going with. That it depends on if it's actually extra because I can't eat anymore, I'm full, then it reverts back to the host. 
in the event that I'm still hungry and I just exercise self-control and I don't eat it, then I'm allowed to keep it for myself. And then if I want to give it to a woman is is, is Kedushin, I really would eat that potato kugel, but I want to use it for Kedushin. So I could say, just to be able to say that I did that once, so the, the Marshal says that that's the circumstance where that would be okay. So that is... That's how the marshal would, would, would like to uh, reconcile all of this. Now, another interesting source related to this is the Ber Hetev. Um, let me see which we uh, see. Okay, we'll just do the first part. So now the Ber Hetev, one of the commentators also in the Shulchan Aruch over there in Ebenezer. So he says, so again, the Ramah says that if you say to a woman, it's a good Kedushin. So even though in, in Orachayim, we say that as a guest, you're not allowed to take some of the food which is served to you and give it to the host's son. The restriction of Chazal is specifically only goes as far as giving it to the host's son. Because remember, the story in the Gemara in Chulin, which triggered this enactment of Chazal, was where the guests gave their portion over to the host's son. So when he's given over to the host's son, and then he smacked his kid upside the head and ended up killing him, so it was only when those all of those details have to be in place in order for the enactment uh, to to apply. So my only restriction is really the host. What the what the Berhetev is maintains over here is really the hosts. The the sorry, really the guests own the food, and they can do with it as they want. And that's why you could say Haram sleep a potato kugel zoo. The only restriction which we record over there in Archaim is there's a specific enactment of Chazal that the guests may not give it to the host's son. You could give it to the host's other guests. You could give it to a homeless guy who comes to the door. You could give it to some guy who shows up with a green card if you want. You could do whatever you want with it other than give it to the host's son. That is the only thing which Chazal restricted. But putting aside that restriction, the halach is, is that when a host serves food to the guest, that food belongs to the guest, and he can do with it as he pleases. Rabbi Shaffer? One second, Bob. But let's say I like potato kugel, and you like fish, and we make a deal. Listen, I'll take, uh, I'll I'll gladly exchange for you my piece of fish if I get your potato kugel. And you say, yeah, a potato kugel is good, but not, not nearly as good as fish. That's why you're sitting on the other end of the table. We're not really friends. So you'll be over there eating the two pieces of, of fish, and I'm going to be ha- go ahead and enjoy the two pieces of potato kugel. We don't need permission from the host to go ahead and start change, uh, exchanging um, you know, potluck exchange between fish and potato kugel. That is perfectly acceptable halakhically because each one of us owns the food which is served to us, which with, again, the only restriction being you cannot give it to the host's son. Yes, Bob. Well, my question is, if it only refers to the host's son, then it sounds like technically a guest uh, at this uh, dinner uh, could give it to the host's daughter uh, in betrothal. So that would mean that food that the 
the host had given to one of his guests could be used to betroth his daughter. Somehow that does not sound really like something we want to encourage. Uh, I, I, I hear. Uh, assuming that she's a katana, you mean, or what? what, what well, I mean, what, whatever. I mean, let's even assume that she's uh, already a Nara, so she doesn't need her father's uh, consent. Had consent, but it it just seems like uh, I, it it doesn't sound right. Right. So I, I imagine that if the father were to do that, accept a piece of potato kugel in order to betroth his daughter, uh, it'll cost him a lot of money in therapy later on, family therapy later on. <laughs> Dad, you sold me for a piece of potato kugel. That's all I'm worth to you. You have one piece of potato kugel out of it. I can't believe it. That's what I feel. Yeah. Isn't it usually like they always just say, they don't talk about women in the in Torah and stuff like that. They just say everybody is a male. I, I so, so, sometimes, right. So, sometimes male is the gender neutral. Because we don't really have a gender neutral in uh, in Lashon Kodesh, so I assume for this halach it wouldn't make a difference between sons and daughters. But the the, the idea of betrothing her with it, so that's that's an interesting uh, use. Whether or not that would violate the enactment of Chazal based on the Gemara, because there was just a gift you were giving it. And now you want to know? Uh, yeah, that's a, that would be an interesting question. Uh, believe it or not, I didn't see anybody discuss that. I didn't look up that, I didn't look up that Shaila specifically. Uh, and I haven't received that Shaila on any of the hotlines, which I answer as of yet, but you never know. You know, maybe one day I'll get that as a, as a Shaila Maisa. And please don't go ahead and call up the uh, the hotline just to ask that Shaila of me, just, <laughs> just because of the uh, the sheer. Question. Yes. Um, as long as we're out in the field already off the, off the derech, I got one that's yeah. been bothering me since the beginning. Uh, why are we worried about Kedushin? Or why does Kedushin uh, lead to a real marriage if uh, there's no star and no suspicion of Bia? What kind of a chasna do we have? If all we have is a, is a Kedushin over a piece of a paper. Right. So, so uh, as you know, so the, the, in modern times, the wedding ceremony is comprised of two parts, the Kedushin and the Nisuin. The Kedushin is the first part that creates the bond between the man and the woman. And then the, the, the completion of that, the last 5%, is the actual Shavah Brachos, which are read under the Chuppah. And then when they go into Yuchud. So you're right, this doesn't complete the marriage because they'll still have to write a Ksuva at some point. They'll still have to say Shavah Brachos at some point. All of that is still, going to be, is still going to be necessary, but it does create enough of a relationship that if they wanted to end the relationship, a get would be necessary. Yeah, presumably that would be true of other actions that they could have performed, that they don't have a complete valid marriage, but it would require a get later. Correct, it's, correct. This is all just what they have. Okay. Right, the scary thing which happens sometimes is sometimes uh, schools put on some sort of school play you know, like, uh, you know, Yaakov marrying uh, Leah and Rachel, and the kids will put on a performance, and one of the boys will be Yaakov, some of the girls will be Leah and Rachel, and they'll actually articulate, Haram Kudesh and then somebody says, oh my gosh, I can't believe you just said that, and then they have to call up a Rav, and they have to find out whether or not they actually did a Kedushin, they didn't do a Kedushin, it's a big mess when that uh, that happens, and you don't want that to uh, to occur, because it could really be, uh, you know, uh, dramatic uh, effects, you know, long-term for the, for these kids. Um, 
Okay, so now we'll go through uh, another answer. Uh, this is from the Chuva of the Divra Malkiel. Uh, the Divra Malkiel is Malkiel Tannenbaum, I think is his name. It was the end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, when he was one of the uh, the foremost uh, poskim. So he writes, uh, we'll jump just in the middle of here, putting aside how he presents the question. But he says, that, uh, that the correct answer, the correct resolution to this is based on what's written over there in the Sefer, which is called Tiv Kedushin. And that is, he maintains, He says, when you're a guest at somebody else's home, the host conveys ownership of that food to you unconditionally. That's your food. You can do with it if you want. If you want to eat it, you can eat it. If you want to feed it to the dog, you can feed it to the dog. If you want to go ahead and put it in the Ziploc bag that you put in your pocket so you can take it home and use it for lunch tomorrow, you could do that. You could do whatever you want with that food because the halacha says that ownership of the food is conveyed from host to guest. However, I, what about the Gemara in Chulin? And what about the Sif in Shochan and Orchayim? Rock, however, Shechazal also Chazal said, we don't want you to go ahead and give it to others. Here he's not saying just as far as the son is concerned, but to gift it away to others. So that is something which we don't want you to do because that because of that incident which occurred. So Chazal say our preference is if you don't that you should not give it away, don't share it with others. But and here's the key. When Chazal said that we don't want you to take that food, that you as a guest shouldn't take that food and give it to others, it's a preference of Chazal. It's not an Isser which is violated. And therefore, in the event that the guest does give the food away, so it's still his. And if he gives it away, it's a valid gift. And since it is his, and if he gives it away, it's a valid gift. So by the same token, if a man used it for Kedushin, he could go ahead and he could be Makadish a woman with it. So preferably, don't say to the woman as a guest, but in the event that you did do make such a declaration, it is 100% Kedushin, because at the end of the day, this food is yours as a guest. It's now your food. And he finds support for this, uh, this elsewhere. Now... Um, Okay, now let's jump. We'll skip the first paragraph over here. Now let's jump to the Shevet Alevi. So this is Rav Vosner from uh, from Brock, addressing the same thing, but now he is taking it to a different uh, scenario. So it's not, I assume, again, I don't know your practice, what you guys do as guests or hosts, but I assume by and large, you're not taking, as a guest, you're not taking food home with you to save it for later. I'm not judging. I'm just assuming that that's uh, that's going to be true. But now, where this does, where this does and could occur is, let's say you're at a simcha, and you see that it's just about time. They're announcing to everybody, chuppah starting in five minutes. The room is emptying out, and the guy at the carving station with the pastrami, he has three quarters of a pastrami that's unsliced. So you say, you know what? I'm just going to get in line sixteen times. And I'll go ahead and I'll get all the pastrami that the guys get, will, will give to me. And I'll save it for later. I'll, make a, I'll have lunch for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Because what else are they going to do with it anyways? Why shouldn't I take the leftover uh, pastrami, which is there? Everybody else is running for a good seat by the chuppah. And I'm just going to go ahead and, and grab it and, and, and save it for later. 
or let's say it's the end of the dessert table and you see there's plenty of food which is left over, whatever the various uh, leftovers are at a simcha. So when there's leftover food on the table at a simcha, can you start going around and grabbing all of that extra food? Can you take all the extra rolls and take all the extra pickles and all the extra olives and you'll go ahead and you'll walk away with, uh, you know, uh, garbage bags filled with the leftover food. Are you allowed to go ahead and do so? So, says the Shevet Alevi, he says, So the whole discussion in the previous paragraph, which we're not going to read together, is when you're at a guest at somebody else's house and you're sitting at his dining room table. But to go ahead at a simcha and take take home leftover foods or to take the flowers that are part of the centerpiece, says the Shevet Alevi, it's clear to me that you're very close, if not over the line, in terms of theft. Except for whatever is left over on your own plate. The plated food which was served to you, which is left over, so if you don't eat all of that, that you could save and you can make, you could take that home for lunch tomorrow. But to take any of the other food which is not plated to you, that the Shevet Alevi says, I think it's actual gazela. Uh, yeah, the stuff on your plate, there's no concern. But to go ahead and take the leftover food, which was not served to you, you just go around to all of the tables and you see that uh, this person didn't eat this side dish and this didn't person didn't eat this piece of chicken and this person didn't eat his salad over here or the soup. And to take all of that for yourself, that says the Shevet Alevi, the Fianese Daiti ain't hetter. He says, I see no permission to be able to do this whatsoever to grab the leftovers. And it doesn't make a difference whether it says on the invitation, sort of like everybody's invited to the Simcha, or whether it's by invitation only, it doesn't make a difference. But there's no allowance whatsoever on your way out. You see at the uh, at the dessert table, you say, you know what? My kids would love these cookies. I'll grab six cookies for this kid, and I'll grab six ice creams for another kid. And this one loves ices, and I'm going to go ahead and I'll grab the uh, the ices for the third one. And you just start grabbing, you know, six coffees. You know, they're serving the Starbucks coffees. So I go ahead and I grab six coffees on the way out. You're not allowed to take all that stuff for your coworkers and for your children and for your neighbors. None of that stuff, says the Shevet Alevi. Now, as we're going to see in a moment, in many instances, says the Shevet Alevi, whatever is left over, the hall takes back and uses the next night. Don't think about it, how gross that is or not. But it says that there's this idea that the hall may very well use the leftovers. Leftover rolls on the table, what are they going to do with them? They may serve them tomorrow for uh, for uh, at the next Simcha. Or it may very well be that the hall is only going to charge the host, is only going to charge the uh, the person hosting the simcha for the amount of portions which are eaten, but he's not going to charge him for the food which is not eaten. And if you go ahead and grab three extra servings, so then you're you're uh, you're causing the 
the host of the Simcha to have to pay for three extra servings when there wasn't any guests who were, who were taken there. You just decided to be a chazer. You're sitting at the table by yourself and the waiter says, anybody else sitting at the table? Yeah, yeah, they're all here. They're all davening marav outside. Just put plates around, uh, you know, at, at, at all of these chairs. So you go ahead and you chop 10 meals for nothing if they're charging by the plate and they put out 10 extra plates because you want extra for your family. So says the Shepherd of Levi, that's gazel. Says you're not allowed to do it. He doesn't see any heter whatsoever. Um, but Wait, I have a question. Yeah. Sorry. So you're saying that the smorg, smorgasbord, you can take as much as you want. It's not being plated. Right. So like if you're at a bris and you decide you want to take home five sandwiches made, you know, lox and cream cheese and all that stuff, it means you're not allowed to? Oh, so hold on. He says, Ibra, however, Yeshimakomos Kamo America. He says there are some places like in the United States. That whatever leftovers are there, even if it's a complete meal, right? The, the rule is once it leaves the kitchen, so it can't go back in. Nothing's going back into the kitchen once it leaves the kitchen. And therefore, what are they going to do with any leftovers which made it onto a table? They throw it away. They have nothing they can do with it. They can't bring it back into the kitchen. So the only alternative they have, what all they're going to do with it is they're going to wrap everything up and throw it away. And the host of the Simcha is going to be paying for these 200 servings, regardless of whether 100 people show up at the wedding or 200 people show up at the wedding. He's paying for 200 plates no matter what. And whatever leftovers are just going to be discarded. Now he says a great line. Even though throwing away all of that good food is an Isidaraisa, the Baltashchis, because you're not allowed to waste food, and just because there are you know regulations or whatever, so you're not allowed to waste food. But putting that aside, he says, nonetheless, in those places where whatever is not eaten is just going to be thrown away anyways, like you said, Malki, perhaps at a bris or something like that, that once the food is out there, whatever is not taken is going to is going to be discarded. Came in the kach noagim nashim. Being that that's the practice, and the only thing that's going to happen to this food is it's going to be thrown away. So then we assume that the host, what does the host care? Why does he care whether it goes into your Ziploc bag or whether it goes into the garbage? Either way, he's not taking it home. Right, the garbage is hefker. What? The garbage is hefker. <coughs> so therefore, he says, you're allowed, in, the, in those circumstances, you're allowed to take it. So if you know truly that this is leftovers and the only place it's going to go at this point is it's going to go into the garbage, then it's effectively hefker and you can take as much as you want. But in the event that uh, it's a place where uh, it will cause somebody else a loss or the food would otherwise been used by somebody else, then it would be absolutely awesome for you to go ahead and take it. And I won't read it, we won't read it inside, but in a similar thing, this uh, sefer called Piske Mishpat, just a collection of different Chosh uh, Mishpat Sfarim and whatnot. So he goes ahead and he also talks about the leftover cakes and the leftover sweets and all sorts of uh, different things, whether it's going to go back or not. And he says, we'll just read this last paragraph. He says, similarly, Let's say you want to go ahead and take some of the flowers from the centerpieces. Mm. Right, the, the simcha seems to be letting out. Nobody's uh, nobody's there anymore. So, can you say, you know what? This would be beautiful. It's a Thursday night chasana. I would love to take these uh, flowers home. They'd be great on my Shabbos table. So, are you allowed to go ahead and take those flowers from the centerpiece home or not? 
So he says, Nirash Asa Bcholofen, Mishum Shain Sibal Zorkamashba. So he says it would seem to be that it's Asar, because uh, who says they're necessarily going to be discarded? And he says, because it's very common, before the people making the simcha actually leave the simcha hall. So they're the last ones there usually. So they or other members of the family may go ahead and grab those flowers. So just because it looks like there aren't so many people here anymore and nobody's touched the flowers, that does not yet make them hefker which would allow you to go ahead and take those flowers. So before you take any of the leftover flowers in the centerpiece or anything like that, that he's of the opinion that you certainly have to discuss this with the host because you can't assume that that's something which is going to be which is going to be after. But this is the idea about it's a it's a it's a a fascinating um, uh, halachic analysis of this relationship between the host and the guest vis-a-vis the food. Who exactly is the owner of the food? Whether the host retains ownership of it or whether it is conveyed fully to the guest to such a degree, as we said, in the most extreme case, where you say, So this is the thing, and then we obviously did not get to the uh, the Shiloh about, uh, we started off with, maybe at some point in the future, where Reuven was supposed to be watching Shimon's food, so assuming that this is actually Shimon's food, because it was on his plate already, and it was given to him, so now, in the event that Reuven doesn't do a good job of his custodianship, does he have an obligation to reimburse uh, 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 Shimon for the food which is now taken from him that he was supposed to be watching. So who knows what will be next week? Maybe next week we'll go ahead and we'll analyze that part of uh, uh, of the shot. All righty. Thank you, Rabbi Shaffel. All right. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. It was fun, everybody. entertaining. Take care and have a great Shabbos. Bye.